Hey guys, what's going on? Hey, how's it going, Brian? It's good. Hey, hey, Kevin, Andrew. This is uh, the first episode here of our Radiant Recap Pod. We're gonna go some uh, TV shows, some movies, some music from 2016. You guys excited? Yeah, Brian, very excited. Nice. Can't wait. Me neither. Well, 2016, you know, a lot of people not very happy with this year. It was kind of chaotic, but think outside of uh you know the presidential election things like that uh we actually had some uh really good tv shows had you know some okay movies not a great movie year in my opinion but uh the music scene was good so i think we're gonna have a lot of good things to talk about today uh first and foremost i think we need to start with obviously one of the, the one of if not the biggest tv show of the year uh it's a personal favorite favorite of all of ours uh westworld i think the whole country is captivated by it uh, if you visited our website, we had West Words, uh, an article written by Kevin, co-host of the pod here. So uh, to start us off on Westworld, Kevin, I'd like to give the floor to you. Yeah, man. Uh, Westworld, awesome show. I remember when the trailers for it first came out, I saw that it was a sci-fi Western. I never saw the original movie, um, you know, which was uh, written by Michael Crichton. Um, but I saw sci-fi, I saw Western, loved those two genres, you know, didn't think, uh, Cowboys and Aliens <laughs> really did it justice in the past. So I was looking forward to see what would come of it. And man, did that show deliver. Jonathan Nolan has got to be one of the best writers in film and TV, now TV today. Um, just thought that that show was so great. So, uh, deep with all of the, uh, twists and turns along the way. Uh, Andy, I know you watched it too. What, what did you think about Westworld? It was it was mind blowing to say the least. Uh, I I for one spent countless hours digging through the the depths of Reddit, uh, reading all the different theories and and postulations that were out there about you know what certain clues meant, where the the, the storyline was going, how many timelines we were looking at well sorry time frames we were looking at i know that's a sensitive issue for a lot of people um but i mean it as the season progressed a lot of those a lot of those theories were proven to be true and yet as i'm watching them and seeing it unfold and almost expecting these things to happen it was so masterfully done that it, that it still gave me goosebumps and raised the hair on the back of my neck it, it was it was phenomenal yeah, mentioning theories, you know, we had our group hangout, our Westworld hangout going. We kind of, you know, dish on Westworld all day long, uh, you know, escaping work. And, you know, we had a lot of outlandish theories for sure, but it's weird how I think we pretty much predicted everything that happened. I'd say like well, 90, 95% of things. Is that accurate? The blind squirrel uh, finds a nut. <laughs> Maxim comes to mind in that case when you when you're predicting every possible outcome you're bound to hit yeah. on one of them. <laughs> True. Yeah. Somewhere. But honestly, the the speculation is is part of what made it so captivating. You know, every, there was there was meaning and and purpose to absolutely every detail in the show. So anything that you picked out could potentially be turned into a huge giveaway for the rest of the season. Yeah, the casting was pretty good, Kevin. Uh, I know you had some thoughts on you know, Ed Harris as the Man in Black. Oh yeah, I loved Ed Harris. That was a uh, that was a great role for him. Um, a character that at the beginning seemed so one dimensional. I feel like everyone thought he was just going to be, 
you know, the the evil bad guy, like in the first episode, you know, he, he came to you came to see more depth of his character, of course. Um, at the end of the season, you know, you saw you realized that you had seen, you know, a whole a whole lifetime of his basically um, on the show. Um, I thought he was great. Anthony Hopkins, though, incredible. I mean, it, he stole the show. And we talk about all the things that we predicted. I, I think one of the things that we didn't really ever come close to predicting was how the finale went down. And that was just great, just to, to bring everything together, tie up all the loose ends. Um, yeah, like Andy said, even when even the things that we were able to kind of see coming, just they were just done so well, you're still in awe of seeing it come together on the screen. Um, just fantastic. Yeah, and let's not forget Liam McPoyle from Always Sunny. He he did a great job in Westworld <laughs> as a young man in black. Any any time that you can watch a show with Liam McPoyle in it, you do it. Yeah, just kind of breaking the mold. You know, he he refuses to be typecast as a milk drinking weirdo. <laughs> yeah, even though th- there was kind of an appearance of some milk boys in Westworld too. Yeah, what, people and dumping milk on him. What a Always Sunny. Oh yeah. <laughs> Uh, so uh, my thoughts on the way the show wrapped up, you know, I, I think they could have gone a couple ways at the end. They, It was almost setting up in a way that they could have just written the last episode a little differently and the show could have ended kind of as a one-season thing. And I think, you know, it would have told a really good story. But the way that they wrote it left a lot of openings for a great second season, and we know it's renewed for a second season. So I'm really happy the way that it ended. Definitely, yeah. You've got, um, you know, whatever's going on with Stubbs and presumably Elsie. Um, you know, you've got Maeve's whole storyline, how she got off the train, and then of course the 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 great the grand finale. You know, what's going to happen with the host uprising being led by Dolores? Um, just so much to to think about uh, going into a, a second season, which unfortunately is, you know, reportedly not coming for for quite some time now. Um, not till 2018, I think they're saying, but uh, plenty of time to think about all the possibilities. Yeah, and I, I you know, I, I, even though it, it sucks that it's so far away, I'd rather they take their time and do it right as opposed to rushing it out like they do with video games nowadays and just give you like a bad, incomplete product. So I'm okay with it. Absolutely, I agree. Cool. Andrew, you got any last thoughts on Westworld? No. All right, so something that you said uh, about Westworld, Kevin, actually kind of ties in perfectly with the next show I want to talk about. So you're talking about things we kind of know are going to happen, but yet when you see them play out on screen, it doesn't matter that you know because it's so good. And that, for me, has been the entire series of Game of Thrones pretty much up until this season. Uh, As a pre-show book reader, you know, I've known what's going to happen all along, but this season was the first year really where they surpassed the books. Uh, and Game of Thrones was outstanding this year. Yeah, I agree. Um, as a fellow book reader, um, I'm one who kind of caught up on the books. I, I had to watch the first couple seasons, and then I think it was between seasons two and three, or maybe three and four, I read the entire series. And so, uh, you know, for the past couple of seasons, I've been up to speed on what was going to be happening, uh, despite the small little deviations. But yeah, this past season, just, just incredibly done, um, you know, trailblazing in terms of the story you know covering ground that the that george rr R. martin hasn't actually gotten onto to paper yet um or at least gotten out to the public um i just thought that every episode this season more so than any other was just 
just building the tension. There wasn't too much plot-heavy uh, episodes, I feel like. There was just a lot of great stuff going on all season long. Yeah, Andy, did you have any favorite storylines from that year, that episode? Uh, the, the Battle of the Bastards is just absolutely epic, unforgettable. unforgettable. Um, as as someone who is incapable of reading, um, <laughs> I, I, I'm just absolutely fully immersed in in the shows as I watch them, like more so than any other show, honestly, until Westworld this year. Um, but the, yeah, like, like you guys have said, this season has, has met and exceeded all the standards set from previous seasons. Yeah. I think hands down, probably the, the most controversial, um, you know, thought about game of Thrones this year was the revival of Jon Snow. Uh, I know, you know, some fans were dying for him to come back. Some fans were very unhappy that he was brought back. Where do you guys land on Jon Snow? Uh, personally, I think it had to happen. I mean, if you're someone who, you know, like we all do, likes to theorize about the show, I don't think that there were many people who didn't truly believe that he would be coming back. I mean, he's just such an integral character in so many ways, in some ways that this season hinted at or maybe even, you know, kind of fully revealed. He's he's integral to everything that's going on in the story. And, um, yeah, like <laughs> Like Andy said, the Battle of the Bastards, such an incredible cinematography, such incredible um, everything going on with that, you know, with the surrounding shields, the Bolton men crushing in on them, the piles of bodies. I mean, it, you, everything to do with Jon's storyline is what drives Game of Thrones forward. You know, there's Danny, of course, there's there's other stuff going on, but without Jon, you know, that's just, that's taken away the soul of the show. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I'm. I think that it, it was it was bound to happen. Honestly, why else would Melisandre show up at at Castle Black at the end of the season? But I also don't think it was a shock when it happened. Um, a lot of the speculation on the off season was that he had uh, Kit Harrington was was on set filming, and you know that's that for me that's the worst type of speculation. You know, you don't you don't want to have plot spoilers given away by by real life events like that. But at the same time, I don't think it really came as a shock to anybody. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, the way a lot of the storylines ended this year, um, I think we're just in line for just a crazy season next year. Um, you know, we have Danny with, you know, her huge army that she's about to come over with finally to Westeros. I think we're just going to see shit completely hit the fan. Yeah, the convergence is finally happening. The convergence of all the different storylines. It's, it's exciting. Yep, so uh yeah, Thrones, I think that's another one that was a little bit delayed, but this time it was due to um I think cold weather or a lot of snow, so the the filming was a bit delayed, so this season will be coming out in the summer. Um but I'm really looking forward to it. Same here, hoping for plenty of snow. There you go. Uh, so staying with HBO here, um, before we switch over to some comedies, I do want to touch on one more just outstanding show that HBO put on. Um, there's a fewer episodes than usual, uh, but The Night Of was a, a, just an incredible show. Um, it, it really did a great job of highlighting you know, the flaws of the American criminal justice system, in my opinion. Um, but it was another one where you know, even though it, there are parts that weren't you know, too thrilling. I was on the edge of my seat the entire time, just waiting to see the developments. Um, 
Kevin, I know you watched the night of. What'd you think of that? Night of, great miniseries, great show. Um, like you're saying, the depth of it is is really its connection to the real world and it exposing how um, guilty or not, not to give anything away about the, the ending and, and you know whether Nas was guilty or not guilty and whatever happens with that. The criminal justice system takes a toll on anyone who is put through it. And um, that was what was really uh, significant about the show. And like you're saying, um, or I think you were hinting at there, not every episode is, is incredibly thrilling. I think it's interesting in terms that it's very um, top heavy in terms of the episodes. The first episode really grabs you and a lot of stuff happens in that first episode. And from there, it's really just all of the fallout leading from that. So I think in that sense, it's kind of unique when compared to other shows that you watch. Uh, but it's definitely worth staying along for the full ride and seeing how it ends. Right. I did think it was really interesting just seeing, you know, because I know uh, Nas, the, the, the character that or the actor that portrayed Nas, I know he spent actually a lot of time in that particular prison, um, you know, interviewing different uh, inmates and just finding out, you know, what they go through and just seeing, you know, the things that he had to do just to like survive in prison basically um you know like the habits he developed and everything it was pretty crazy just seeing that and it's really eye-opening just to what people actually go through in real life yeah it's 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 insane yeah so i think the night of um less people have watched the night of and westworld and game of thrones if you haven't seen the night of i would definitely carve out some time to watch that uh, so sticking with HBO here, we had two really good comedies this year. Um, the first was not uh, the first season, so we had Silicon Valley uh, continuation. And it was season three. Silicon Valley, just that show cracks me up every single time. I think Ehrlich Bachman's one of my favorite characters on TV. Uh, but what do you guys think of uh, this season of Silicon Valley? Uh, I think with Silicon Valley, there's been a couple times um, since the first season where I kind of wondered to myself where it was going, but it always pulls me back in with something hilarious. They, you know, it, it's so brilliantly written. It's, you know, in some ways, it's kind of like uh, the nerd version of Entourage, I guess you'd say, the tech geek version of Entourage. But um, it's, you know, it's kind of a candy show. It's, it's always you're not going to have, you know, too many down moments like the dramas. But it's fantastic. Um, even when you know that everything's going to turn out okay, it's, it's still just full of laughs. Yeah, a lot of laugh out loud moments there. Um, you know, I'm happy it's coming back for another season, so I'm definitely all in on Silicon Valley. And did you like this season? Yeah, I felt that um, this season was probably the least funny in my estimation. Um I felt like the, the, the middle of the season that, you know, there was a lull of, of actual like solid humor going on. Um, and yet the, the plot of the show, the theme of the show, everything that's going on is still interesting enough to keep me involved. So when they finally hit their stride again, in my opinion, towards the end of the season, you know, it's not like I felt cheated or anything like that. Um, you know, I, I dabble in, in the coding world and, and stuff myself. So that, that type of, uh, subject material is very intriguing. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, moving on to an original comedy this year, uh, Vice Principals on HBO, which another one that was just had me laughing out loud every single episode, um, the return of Danny McBride to HBO, 
uh, joined by Walter Goggins, who is, I think he's an extremely underrated actor. He's played some pretty messed up characters before, like in Sons of Anarchy and uh, Justified, and now he showed his comedic range at Vice Principals, but I, I thought that that was a really, really well done show, too. Yeah, Vice Principals, I watched that one. Um, for, you know, for me, um, you know, I, I watched it with my girlfriend. She's a huge Danny McBride fan, thinks he's hilarious. Um, <laughs> I've kind of viewed him as a one-trick pony um, in the past. Not that it's bad, he knows his trick. But um, the first couple episodes, I was really in kind of a you-gotta-convince-me mode, I guess, watching it, that the show was worth my time. And the first couple episodes... I was still kind of there, but I kept watching, you know, because I was watching it with her. And then I think maybe by the third or fourth episode, that was when there was just some really like laugh out loud moments like you're talking about that really pulled me in and said, OK, yeah, this show is worth the ride. And it was it was a good first season. Um, it was it was it was solid, better than I was actually expecting, I'd say. Yeah, pretty big cliffhanger ending, too, in the last episode there. So I, I don't really know <laughs> where they're going to where they're going to pick up next year, but I guess we'll see. Yeah, it's got that classic uh, Danny McBride make you feel really uncomfortable with how over the top he gets sort of humor. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, I think all in all, HBO had uh, you know show wise they had a really strong 2016 um, highlighted by Westworld, of course. Um, yeah, Ballers was so. fantastic. Dude, does anyone on the pod <laughs> actually watch Ballers? I just I, I um I watched the first part of the first season because it fell between uh i believe it was it, it might have been game of thrones and uh the brink or what, yeah. whatever was between game of thrones whatever was before the brink there were yeah. there was a show and so i would just spend a half an hour sitting there passively watching it and it was atrocious it was just <laughs> the worst yeah, I think we refer to that as the sports entourage, like Silicon Valley is the nerd entourage. Yeah, yeah. Um, we do have a friend, though, who actually legitimately likes that show, and I don't understand it. Yeah, Liam. we got to get Liam on the pod to explain why the hell he loves ballers. Um, Are you a big you know, rock fan? I, I respect Dwayne Johnson, but um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just knew from the first time I saw the trailer for that that it wasn't for me, you know? Not really into that whole... Miami, whatever you want to call it. I don't know. Yeah, no, <laughs> I didn't really like either. Entourage either, for the record. <laughs> for the record, I loved Entourage. It's one of the best shows of all time, just saying. All right. <laughs> all right, so, yeah, HBO, good stuff. Uh, so moving on to network television. Network television is really a mixed bag. You have some stations that are going to produce quality content, and then you have... ABC, CBS, NBC, who typically just have the worst acting that there is. <laughs> um, but I, I want to start with a reality show, and that's because it just finished up last night. Uh, I want to talk about Survivor. So Andrew and I are huge Survivor fans. Kevin's above it. He's too good for it. I wouldn't say that. I just, it's not my bag. I, I got a limited amount of time I can dedicate to television, and I don't dedicate to reality TV. Okay. Well, Andrew, I want to get your thoughts on uh, on the finale last night on our winner, Adam. Yeah, I mean he he brought he brought an incredibly tragic story to the table, and and obviously everybody's going to feel for him. Uh, I have to admit that the uh, cynical side of me is is pretty unhappy that he he w- w- earned a clean sweep of the votes when 
he clearly got bodied by Hannah in the in front of the jury. I, it 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 just seemed it was a whole lot of pity votes coming his way because the last thing that the jury heard was a sob story. It, it okay. that type of thing just doesn't just rubs me the wrong way. Now I had a feeling that that was the view that you were going to take. We haven't talked about this yet. This is the first time we've discussed this. Yeah. <laughs> so let me ask you: Is do you think that they are necessarily pity votes, or do you think that it was? He went. He was going through this horrible situation with his mother, and he still had the strength to be able to focus on the game and play a strong game while dealing with like one of the hardest things you can deal with as a person. If that was it, then I think that the jury members were not thinking clearly or appropriately because that's not what the votes are, are supposed to be for. They're about. They're supposed to be for who played the best game, and mm-hmm. I don't think that he played the best game by any stretch of the imagination. And I, I think, in fact. Hannah demonstrated in the final travel that she played a better game than he did, which is something that personally I did not notice or see coming or expect at all. And she completely won me over just watching right there. Ken was a jackass who didn't belong there at all. Um, But I didn't think that Adam deserved to win either. Okay. I was kind of on team Adam. I thought that he played a pretty good game. I I did like his, um, reasonings of you know he got to the end keeping like like he played a good game but didn't make himself a target so he played kind of a low-key good game but you know we can agree to disagree with on that one that's okay this is america um, so yeah Sur- survivor was great this year all in all is a really good season i'm really looking forward to next season game changers they're bringing back a couple previous winners it's it, ties coming back that guy was awesome uh, so I'm really looking forward to next season. Wait, guys, who won? A millennial or a Gen Xer? Millennial. Millennial. Oh, sweet. Our generation, baby. We did it. Worst generation. You're a self-hating millennial. Self-loathing millennial. There you go. You're a pedantic millennial. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so sticking with network TV here, we're, we're going to swing over to AMC. So we had season two of Better Call Saul this year, and Better Call Saul is another show that, like, it's it's just really well done. It's the spinoff from Breaking Bad, which is one of the best TV shows of all time. Um, in my opinion, it doesn't quite live up to Breaking Bad, but it's doing a damn good job. So, Kevin, I know you're a big Better Call Saul fan, too. What do you got? I am. I, I love Better Call Saul. I, I loved Breaking Bad. Um, I'm always wary of spinoffs. You know, I always see it as... Um, a network or whoever trying to milk a little more out of the cow, I guess, after it's already had its time. But, you know, the writing behind both shows, um, Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, is fantastic, the way it's done, the way it's shot. If you like Breaking Bad, you'll love Better Call Saul. You know, that they basically go hand in hand. They're the same exact style of show with two different focuses. Um you know, watching watching Jimmy make his way up to become uh, Saul Goodman is a lot more interesting than I thought it would be in theory when I first heard about the spinoff, um, you know, right when uh, Breaking Bad wrapped up. And, uh, Brian, you watch the show, too. What do you think of it? Yeah, I, I really like how they do a good job of incorporating things from Breaking Bad into Better Call Saul. Like, there's Easter eggs everywhere. Um, you actually get some characters that appear in both shows. 
So I think that's a really cool thing, how it can, it just ties together the universe, so it makes you feel like you're not really watching a standalone spinoff. Um, but Odenkirk, man, I think he does a great job. Um, another guy who's kind of like, he's, I think he's more known for his comedic acting, um, but he does a really good job in a really serious role. Uh, I just love, you know, the dark nature of it, and it, it's another one that kind of keeps you on the edge of your seat. Um, I also like how they're kind of getting a little bit of, you know, the legal thriller aspect of it, too, where he's, a, you know, a quote-unquote lawyer, um, and you're getting a kind of a view of that world, too. So it gives you a lot of different elements. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Um, gives you a different spin on things, a di- slightly different tone than Breaking Bad. Um, you're right that, that Bob Odenkirk's fantastic and, and kind of striking the balance of the character there, making him a real fully fleshed-out, realistic human being. And um, also, like you're saying, the other characters that you get to see the background stories for, like Mike, I mean, that's mm-hmm. just as good right there, getting to see what, you know, where he came from. Um, that, that's awesome. It's such a good show. Yeah, I do really like seeing his kind of transformation from, like, uh, retired cop up to, like, mercenary almost, you know. Yeah, getting down and dirty for, uh, for what, to him, are, are, you know, noble reasons. Right. Yeah, so I'm really looking forward to Season 3 of Better Call Saul. It should be good. Uh, and so the next show, we're sticking with AMC. Uh, it's a show that I bowed out on a couple seasons ago. I just couldn't do it anymore, so I'm going to turn The Walking Dead over to you guys. Um, I'll probably let Andy do most of the talking on The Walking Dead. I am up to speed. I watched the half-season finale. Um, I've been very close to ditching this one many times because, quite frankly, it's not very well written. Um a lot of the plot points are just rehashes of previously done plot points. There's some real meandering that goes on. Just They just pull new characters out of their ass and throw them in there and make it seem like it's a new situation when really it's not. Um, but this half season um, drew me back in again at the beginning You know, with the whole Negan thing. The, the season premiere was definitely the bloodiest uh, the Walking Dead's ever been the most gruesome and brutal. Um, you know, uh, I I think that the rest of the season almost lost me, and then the finale kind of brought me a little back in again. It's just like they seem to know how to play me just right, you know, let out a little bit of slack and then reel me back in when it's time for uh, there to be a break before the next season. Um, but, yeah, Andy, what are your thoughts on The Walking Dead? I know, I know you had a similar kind of change of heart uh, throughout the course of the season. Yeah, definitely. Um, like you said, the the first episode just absolute shocker. You know, we 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 went into it expecting one big event, and we got two. Uh, and those two events were like like you said, two of the most brutal, probably not the most bloody, because we've seen a lot of really um, explicit images of zombies tearing people's bodies innards out um but just in terms of human brutality uh it was it was on another level and then immediately the next six episodes just fell off a cliff uh it like it dragged its feet in what could have been accomplished in maybe two or three weeks um, it, it forced us to sit and watch a single plot line for an hour straight when we could have been accomplishing multiple things at once. Uh, I was like, like, just like you, I was on the verge of giving up after the mid season finale and just 
get, like forgetting a, a show that I had watched I've watched for since season one really, um, and and really liked for the first six seasons. Um, and, and like you said again, the the mid season finale just brought it all back together. You know, I I actually got into it a lot more in depth in, in another blog post that will be posted sometime this week. Uh, but it's it, it was somewhat of a symbolic coming together of all the uh, all the fragmented storylines that had bored us for six weeks. Um, <laughs> and it, and it was it was the group coming back together and the the different subplots being shown all in the same episode all at the same time so it, it was it was somewhat poetic and i get what they were going for but man did it make for boring television for for the majority of the, se- the half season yeah i think that part of it is just like the, the way it's written again not to go too heavy on the writers here but we're comparing it to all these other shows we're talking about that are just so well written dramas yeah. and it's it's really you know it's just serial television like uh, i'm fairly certain that it's the comic book it's based upon is still ongoing, so it seems like a kind of a cash cow that AMC can keep milking on in perpetuity, and I don't really like shows like that. Um, I think most stories uh, are best when there is some sort of end in sight on the writer's part, uh, some sort of ending, some way to wrap it up. Otherwise, you can end up in situations like this when you're just stringing along a plot line and don't have a, a great direction to pull it in. Um, even Negan, who I thought seemed like an interesting new character to breathe life into the show, his shtick grew tired, you know, just a couple episodes into the season for me. Um, just the same crap over and over again. And I'm starting to wonder if maybe The Walking Dead is kind of like a, a sort of a meta, uh, message going on. Like, you know, we're the walking dead, we're the watching dead, Andy. We keep, we keep thinking about just giving up. We've had enough. <laughs> You know, it's Damn not it. worth no one, going on. Nobody needs to read my article now. <laughs> oh, oh, spoilers. Oh, sorry, Andy. I didn't, even, I didn't even read it, man. Uh, <laughs> Nobody does. All right. Well, you know what? People might not listen to this. It, it's worth reading. Read Andy's article. I don't know. I haven't read it yet, but I'm sure it's worth reading. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Is it worth it? I guess we'll fight on, Andy. We'll fight on at least for another half season. <laughs> yes. I do want to touch upon one thing, um, how Better Call Saul was such an amazing spinoff. Uh, Fear the Walking Dead, I think, does not have that same title as a great spinoff. Wolf. Is that correct? Oh, I watched the first season, and the first few episodes, it was really cool to to see the, um, act, the how the virus broke out, like how people in real life, well, real life in that universe, uh, responded to some like this out outlandish idea of, of a virus turning people into zombies. Um, and then the moment that it hit the level that the walking dead was on, I stopped caring and I tried to watch the second season and I couldn't make it through an episode because I realized I don't give a crap about a single character on that show. Yep. Yep. Yeah, so um, just to wrap up The Walking Dead, I know I've seen quite a few reports this year that the ratings are the lowest they've ever been. Um, I've got a nice shiny graph in my article for you guys to look at. There we go. (laughs) So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, honestly, how long they keep it going if the ratings keep plummeting. So something to keep an eye on. Um, 
So there's one last show I want to touch on that I know neither of you watch, but uh, Kiefer Sutherland has made his triumphant return to uh, to network television on ABC. He's in the show called Designated Survivor. Essentially, you have the State of the Union address, the entire government is there, and then just to make sure the line of succession to the presidency is upheld, uh, there's somebody who's called a designated survivor that stays in a safe area. Uh, and that just happened to be Keeper Sutherland, who was the, the HUD secretary. And there was a massive bomb at the, the State of the Union. Everyone died. Next thing you know, Keeper Sutherland is the president. Um, it kind of proceeds to take on almost a 24 feel where there's moles like surprising with anything with keeper sutherland there's a mole wait a keeper <laughs> uh, sutherland show had had a 24 kind of feel yeah i know it's weird right Oof. um but i think he actually does a really good job of portraying somebody who was kind of thrown into the presidency who really has no business being there um see some growth from him you know he actually has some really good acting in it too um we just had the mid-season finale so if you're looking for a show to kind of binge to catch up on over the winter i would definitely give that show a try all right so moving on to kind of another medium of television these days we have netflix and amazon prime have uh, put out you know a lot of really quality original shows so i think one of the biggest shows of 2016 uh, that we all loved america loved was stranger things uh, so, Kevin, give me your thoughts on Stranger Things. Stranger Things was awesome. Um, I love sci-fi. Sci-fi is my favorite genre um, in, in books and movies and television. Um, I loved the 80s nostalgia. Not that I was really sentient during the 80s. I was born in 88. Um, but the, the sort of nostalgic vibe you got from it reminded me of, you know, E.T., obviously, an influence on it. Um, the soundtrack was fantastic, moody, but also um, fit the period that it was set in. Um, great performance by Winona Ryder. All of the child actors were, you know, pretty good. Um, the story was awesome. I was it, the way it ended was not exactly how I expected it to go. Um, I guess I expected it to be a little more clearly open-ended. Um, you know, anyone who's watched will know what I mean. There is a little bit of finality, but there's definitely plenty of opportunity um, for them to pick things up in season two, which we already know there's going to be a season two. Um, but on the whole awesome show and i really binge watched the last three episodes right in a row and i think i'm going to go back and watch the whole series again at some point um before season two comes out because it's all kind of a blur to me still <laughs> yeah so my wife and i actually put this show on at one o'clock on a sunday just to try it out and we literally watched the entire series like we watched it until midnight that night and just watched the whole thing like it was that good um <laughs> for me it was it was the goonies meets super eight which is just a, a terrific combination. Uh, Andrew, you watched that. What'd you think? Yeah, I, I'm I'm not a big fan of horror, but I but I do like you know the thriller, the sci-fi type genres, and I felt like this towed the line perfectly. Like it, it had those like really suspenseful, um, almost horror movie type uh, situations that characters found themselves in. But it, it wasn't it wasn't like over the top or in your face with with that type of what you would expect from a, from a classic horror movie. Um, 
I agree. I loved the the 80s feel to it. it everything about it was authentic. You didn't really find any too many inconsistencies with that. Um, acting overall, really well done. Uh, it, it it kept you guessing on on how things would be resolved uh, throughout the whole season, really. Yeah, I was I was a huge fan of it. Um, definitely excited for for season two. Uh, so moving on, I think another show that was just uh, just a massive hit, uh, Making a Murderer, which uh, similar to the Night of, like we talked about, it's you know a real highlight of the criminal justice system. Except this time, it's a true story, and we actually see things that are happening in real life in a case. We're seeing how the evidence was uncovered. We're talking to the people that did the investigation. We're talking to the lawyers. We're talking to, you know, the the accused himself. It, it was another thing that I just could not stop watching. Uh, Kevin, you watched Making a Murderer, too. How'd you feel? Um, that's another one I watched with my girlfriend. Um, we, we binged that one, not in one day, but um, watched it pretty quickly. Um, I liked it a lot. It was captivating. I did feel like it sort of took a little too long with certain things, dragged them out longer than they needed to go. Um, you know, I, how many episodes was the total? Ten? It definitely didn't need to be yeah, ten episodes. So. It did not need to be ten episodes. Maybe it could have been six or eight, and I think it would have been more tight. Um, but on the whole, fascinating to get one of those true crime sort of stories um, especially given, you know, the, the response, you know, for the public reaction to come out in a, in a true crime type thing like that is shows the power of the show and its reach. Um, I don't know. Andy, did you watch this? I didn't. Did not. Okay. Um, one thing that, that really like, it's just crazy is, you know, Brendan Dassey, the nephew who he pretty much exhausted all options to get any type of legal representation, and then all of a sudden when this show aired, you know, um, like Project Innocence or some one of those organizations actually took up his case and he actually is getting like released from jail shortly if, if he hasn't been already. But he's been completely like cleared in this whole thing. So it's just amazing how the power of like a TV show like this can actually go on to like save someone's life, really, because I mean, watching the show i think he clearly was just a pawn in any, everything that happened he didn't actually do anything yeah no matter what you think of steve avery i think it was pretty clear that brennan dassey was innocent right yeah so i think it's just i love when you know media like this can be so powerful and have real life effects like that i think it truly shows like the quality of the production um so yeah, I was a huge fan, and they're actually making a season two of that as well. So I'm gonna, that's going to be interesting to see what they do there. Yeah, definitely. I think I think it might have a potential to bomb if we're being completely honest. Yeah, I don't know where they're going to go with it. I could see them just doing it because they know it'll it'll garner interest and viewership. Um, one of the things that I think is interesting about it beyond just the um, the ability to have an actual effect on the legal proceedings in the real world is that when you're watching a fictional drama, the bad guys are created to get a rise out of you. They're created to get a certain uh, response out of you. But when you watch something that is showing you real life film of a real life person like Ken Kratz, 
and you just get mm-hmm. this visceral reaction that you want to punch that guy in the face. Like, that guy is real. That is a walking, talking piece of shit that is out in the world today. Like, that's just mm-hmm. kind of like a next-level type of, like, villain, really, is, you know, you could call him a villain. I think that that was an interesting thing that both my girlfriend and I, when we were watching it, had that same reaction. Like, this Ken Kratz, that guy is a douche. And it's not like... It's just a character that's made up for a show. He's a real dude, you know? Yeah, he's actually a douche. Yeah, he's actually out there. He actually mm-hmm. lives and breathes and acts like that. Um, I don't know. I think that's just kind of an interesting sort of uh, next level to these sort of things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know one other one other show we both watched, um, Narcos. I, uh, Narcos is another one that I thought Netflix did a really good job on. Um, I'm typically not a huge fan of like foreign film kind of things where you have to you know, read a lot of sub uh, subtitles and everything. But uh, Narcos, the, the story of Pablo Escobar, I thought was just a, a really interesting story for you know somebody you hear a lot about. Um, you've heard the name dropped all the time, but I, I, I'll admit like I didn't really know too much about like the details of him until I watched that show. Um, so I thought it was a really cool kind of like historical fiction. No, not even fiction really, but like a, almost like a documentary type type show. Some of it, so I'm I'm a kind of a latecomer to uh, the show. Um, again, another one I watched with Erica. Um, we we kind of stormed through season one just recently, and I'm currently halfway through you know season two. Um, but without speaking to any of the specific plot points, there definitely is some fictionalized elements to it, you know, in order to yes. to build the drama. But I. I I do love the show. I think it's so well done. It was definitely also an educational experience for me, like you're saying. I don't didn't know a whole lot about um, Pablo Escobar in terms of specifics of his story. Uh, so in that way, it's very cool and also very informative uh, on, on like the whole drug trade as a whole. Um, I think that whole kind of hysteria happened before any of us three were really old enough to be aware of what was going on. It kind of reminds me of um, Blow with John Jeff in that sense. Um, yep. And uh, you're talking about having to keep up with the subtitles. I, I always find it funny that I, I've got like three things going on at once when I'm watching Narcos. It's like I'm trying to watch the show as it's happening. Then when Spanish is being spoken, I'm trying to read the subtitles to see what's being said. But then at the same time, I'm also trying to hear the Spanish words to see how good my Spanish is. Like, can I keep <laughs> yeah. up and translate this in my head? And uh, it's kind of like a funny sort of like balance that I try to keep during an entire episode. And um, I'm pretty sure most people probably just check the subtitles. That's enough. But I, I always like to try and keep up and see if I could actually understand it if there weren't subtitles there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so check out Darkos if you haven't watched that yet. Uh, you got two seasons on Netflix you can binge. Um, there's a third on the way, so I'm looking forward to that too. I won't, Kevin. I know you're not cut up, so I won't give any uh, info on to what that's going to be about. Thank um, you. But yeah, check it out. Thank you. No problem. So yeah, I think that's going to wrap up our television here. I think you know, all in all, 2016 was a pretty good, pretty good year for TV. I, I watched a lot of good shows. Uh, so moving on, we're gonna look at some movies now. You know, I I'm not I really like go to the movies if there's a movie that I think's gonna really be worth seeing. So I, I, I really didn't head to the movies a lot this year, but there was a couple that I really liked. Um first on my list, my favorite movie of the year was Captain America Civil War. I'm a huge Marvel fan. Um Civil War is it's a storyline that I, I have really enjoyed. 
uh, even prior to the movie, but just seeing, you know, all the, pretty much all the Avengers were in it. Um, you had Spider-Man make an appearance, which the, the new actor for Spider-Man is really good, and that movie's going to be really good, Spider-Man that's coming out. Um, it was pretty long. It was almost like three hours long, which Marvel's starting to do with all their movies now. But I, I just, Captain America was a blast. Uh, I recommend seeing it if you haven't. Um, moving on to a movie, another Marvel movie that, Kevin, I know you saw as well was Doctor Strange. Um, so I actually wrote a review of this movie. It's up on Radiant.com, so check that out. Um, but, Kevin, what did you think of Doctor Strange? I thought it was decent. I guess given that it's a character that I knew nothing about before heading into it, um, I don't know, I'd probably hit at like a 7 out of 10 for me. Um, I think it's interesting that they're bringing supernatural elements into the Marvel Universe. That's going to be kind of cool to see how that plays into the larger story arcs, you know, like the Avengers, etc. Um, it was trippy. It was cool popcorn movie to kind of like check out the special effects in that sense. Um, but I guess in terms of the overall story, it didn't quite have the same weight to it that some of the other Marvel movies had. So I guess, yeah, 7 out of 10 is what I'd give that one. It was good enough to hold my interest, but it didn't blow me away. Yeah, I think they focused so much on the special effects, and, like, the effects were great. Like, those scenes where they're fighting in the city and the buildings are, like, they almost look like the inside of, like, a watch, you know, how, like, all the pieces are, like, moving yeah. around and everything. Like, that That was cool. Uh, but yeah, like the story, like you said, it's just, it wasn't deep for me. Like so much time elapsed so quickly without them showing like really much of the transformation into Dr. Strange, you know? Um, yeah, it just, yeah, it was just okay. Like, I'm glad I saw it, but I probably won't watch it again. Um, uh, Andrew, a movie that you and I saw, Zootopia, completely different feel from, uh, <laughs> A Marvel movie, but but give me your rundown on Zootopia. I'm a sucker for Pixar movies and cute animals. Um, yeah, I I liked it. I thought I thought it was I thought it was pretty entertaining. There there were some uh, more some some points of humor that were you know a little bit more subtle that on, that only adults will get, which is something that's always appreciated and what is widely framed as a as a, ch- a kids movie. Um, but yeah, you know, aside from the underlying themes that I, I interpreted as, you know, police brutality and everything, which is a little heavy for a family movie like that for me, uh, I, I I really liked it. Yeah, I liked it too. Um, another movie that I laughed out loud at a lot, actually. Um, I had a good time watching it. Uh, I, my favorite scene of that movie was the sloth working at the DMV. Sure. I thought that was just perfect. It was so funny. Uh, and yeah, most Zootopia, people you know, familiar have, with that from the uh, from the previous. Yeah. Yes. Uh, if you have kids, definitely uh, take some time to watch Zootopia, or you know, if you just like a good uh, animated Pixar movie, definitely check it out. Uh, let's see. Fantastic Beasts recently came out. So that is the the Harry Potter spinoff. Um, I think I'm the only one here that saw that. It's too bad uh, our friend Tom isn't on the pod because he's like strangely obsessed with Harry Potter, like in a really weird so way. So it's probably and good he that he's not on the movie. pod. Yeah, true. It would take a weird turn. Um, but Fantastic Beast was pretty good. I think first uh, a spinoff. You know, like, that's kind of been a theme tonight. It did a really good job of, of a spinoff. Um, it actually had a really good story, good effects. It's kind of everything you'd expect from, you know, a really solid. Like J.K. Rowling puts out really 
a good product, and she definitely didn't um, skimp it on this one. So uh, Fantastic Beasts is, is worth the watch if you're looking for that good uh, return to the Harry Potter universe. Uh, check that out. And then, I guess going back to Marvel, actually, Deadpool. Kevin, what do you think of Deadpool? I saw Deadpool on, like, Zootopia and Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. I saw Deadpool, a rated R comic book movie for grown-ups. And I thought that it was fun. It was cool. It was interesting that, you know, like, Doctor Strange was kind of Marvel dipping into the supernatural. Deadpool was Marvel dipping into the rated R kind of category. Uh, my initial reaction to the trailers was, this isn't for me. It just seemed a little too into the whole nerdy kind of badass nerdy humor. Um, but actually, the execution was really good. I thought it was a fun movie, a uh, good time overall. Um, yeah, if there's a sequel, I'd see it. Yeah, well, there will be a sequel. Uh, I know that the like the original producer is like backed out of it, um, so it's gonna be kind of under different a different producer. But yeah, I mean, it's Deadpool. It raked in a ton of money uh, in the box office. Um, yeah, it was a good time. It was it was really funny, and Ryan Reynolds did a good job. It's kind of like the uh, the perfect character for him to play. Like Ryan Reynolds has always played that kind of wise guy character, so thought he did a good job. I like that it actually. Uh, integrated the X-Men this time instead of, like, the Avengers, so they kind of went down a different path there, which w- was cool to see some other characters involved. Yeah, what's up with the property? Doesn't, like... Aren't the X-Men kind of owned by someone different than... Disney? Yeah, there's... So, it's, like, every few years, the rights to the different characters go up, which is why, like, um, the X-Men movies are always different, you know, than, like, the Avengers movies, like, the tone of them are different, it's because they're, it's different studios have the rights to Gotcha, them. and that's how Spider-Man um, came so up for grabs or whatever? Three yeah, exactly. or four different yeah, times. so there's, yep, I think, I believe Sony owns the X-Men rights, and then Marvel Studios does the rest of them, so, um, it's gonna be interesting to see when X-Men goes up for grabs again, like, who's gonna make a play to get them, because I think, I don't know, there's a lot of potential in X-Men that really hasn't been captured recently. Who does the Fantastic Four? Because those ones suck. <laughs> yeah, I don't know because I don't care because they're so bad. Word. That's a good philosophy. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, so that was really, I mean, I I didn't see any of, you know, the, the movies that are typically like Oscar-nominated movies this year. Um, hmm, let me go in on a couple of those. Um, yeah. I really liked Arrival. Uh, I guess out of all the, the movies I've seen this year, and again, I love sci-fi movies, Arrival was one of my favorites. Um, that one, it, it's more of like a, a science sci-fi. I forget, hard sci-fi, I guess you'd call it. Um, very interesting premise, really drew you in. Um, excellent cinematography. Kind of, It's one of those films where I feel like 10 or 20 years ago, the story might have been considered relatively unfilmable just because you're kind of wondering, you know, I could see this being a story, but how could they make it interesting enough visually? Um, but it was really well done in that sense. Um, you know, focuses on a uh, linguistics professor, you know, trying to communicate uh, during a first encounter with aliens. And it just where it goes from there is fantastic. My only drawback, I mean, the only negative for me, I guess, would be that I didn't totally agree with the um, the concluding premise. Um, I, I can't really get into it without spoiling the movie, but uh, that's kind of a minor gripe on uh, my part. Another film I really liked this year, 
um, probably going to be up for some Oscars was Hacksaw Ridge. Um, I'm not typically a huge war movie guy. Um, I haven't seen a lot of the classics, to be completely honest. But I thought this one was uh, uh, really well done. Um, focuses on Garf Boy um, is a pacifist who uh, joins the war effort in World War II, and that's Andrew Garfield. Um, and he—I I don't know, like as, as a story, like it was just an interesting um, story, you know, with the whole World War II thing that I had never heard before. It was done really well. The acting was great. Um, I thought it was fantastic. Um, trying to think of other movies that I saw this year. Let me think. Oh, I've definitely seen a few horror movies. Don't Breathe. Did any of you guys see that one? No. No. That one was pretty good. That was like a great suspense sort of horror. Um, kind of like a closed box sort of situation for most of the the film. Um, but definitely one that might not translate as well to the small screen. Uh, it's like a lot of horror movies being in a dark theater and seeing it and having this round sound, you know, the big screen um, really kind of heightens the tension that much more where it could make it uh, a completely different movie for you as uh, compared to seeing it on the small screen. Um, an, an indie flick that I saw this year that I thought was sneaky good uh, was The Lobster. Um, that one is uh, kind of a, a weird premise um, where it's a future society uh, where people are required to be in uh, romantic relationships in marriages. And um, if not, you uh, singles are given 45 days to find a romantic partner. Or otherwise, they get turned into the animal of their choice. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, very strange premise, very indie sort of premise. Uh, starred Colin Farrell, actually, and Rachel Weisz. Um, both did a great job acting out this sort of bizarre premise and it was really interesting and almost, uh, you know, I don't even know how to describe it. You just have to see it. I'd recommend giving it a watch. Um, outside of that, not really any other movies that stuck out to me this year that I can think of, um, to be completely honest. I'm really looking forward to Rogue One, um. You know, that'll oh, yeah. count in the 2016 category. I got my tickets for tomorrow night. Um, you know, just just released tonight. Um, can't wait for that one. It's getting good early reviews, which is promising because I wasn't sure what to uh, expect out of a again a spinoff. Um, but it, it sounds like they did a good enough job with it. Yeah, I'm completely in for Rogue One. That's gonna be awesome. I think it's gonna be cool to see uh, a glimpse into Star Wars that doesn't specifically focus on. The Skywalkers, I guess, and uh, lightsabers. Yeah. Yeah. Even though I have heard by all accounts so far, though, that, that Darth Vader is completely badass in this movie. So. Awesome. Love it. Yeah, that'll be cool. Uh, so, yeah, that's uh, those are our movies for the year. So, I don't know if you get some of those last ones that Kevin talked about. Like, I'm definitely – Hacksaw Ridge sounds awesome, so I'll definitely check that out. Um, and then I guess for us here in Boston, uh, Patriots Day coming out, so that, that'll certainly be a big one around here, uh, the story of the Boston Marathon bombing, so that'll be one to, to check out as well. So heading over to music, um, I actually enjoyed a lot of music this year. I typically haven't in the past uh, couple of years been enjoying new music too much, but I thought, I thought there were some, some good albums this year. Um, 
Starting out, Ringo, your boy's Weezer. I thought Weezer dropped a pretty good album this year. Yeah, the White Album was solid. To be honest, I think it's it's been a couple of albums now that they've really been getting back into making good music again, ditching the whole weirdness that their mid-lifespan era was comprised of. And um, their last album before this one was actually titled everything will be all right in the end, which seems kind of a meta statement uh, for their band. And then the White Album was really a throwback to classic Weezer sounds from the 90s, early 2000s a little bit. Um, I think it, it genuinely is their best album since the Blue Album and Pinkerton, their first two albums that fans widely consider to be their best work. Um, beachy summary album. Won't be putting it on this time of year, probably. It's freezing out right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I haven't listened to it in a couple months. Um but when it came out, that for the first couple months after it came out, I jammed that album a lot. I uh, really liked it. Um, then the next album on my list here is actually a, a band that you introduced me to, Beach Slang, which I had never heard of until uh, you, you told me to check them out. Um, so Loud Bash of Teenage Feelings came out this year. I really liked it. Um, you're a lot more familiar with them, so what do you think of that? Well, they really haven't been around that long or in the public consciousness that long. Uh, their first album, which I also love, just came out a year ago, and they pumped out another one one just a year later um yeah loud bash that's a great album it's really kind of it's punk rock but it's like uplifting punk rock you know it's anthemic i think that um if you can get down with some loud noises um it's very rewarding listen can get you in the good mood yeah yeah it was um i throw it on at the gym sometimes it's not really like too intense workout music but uh it pumps me up a little bit i like it um so the next three, bear with me here. So these are kind of some like uh, some train music for me, where I commute to work on the train. Uh, I read books while I do that, and I like to listen to music that doesn't have too many lyrics, so I can really focus on my books. So uh, the first album that came out this year that did that for me was uh, Lindsey Sterling, uh, Brave Enough's the album. So if you're not familiar with Lindsey Sterling, she was actually on America's Got Talent a few seasons ago. Uh, and she kind of made her, her name, she's like a hip-hop violinist, so she'd play hip-hop songs like Dance Around, Play Your Violin, whatever. Um, but this year she actually got signed by Lady Gaga's album or record company, um, and they actually kind of put her violin up against some kind of like almost dubstep EDM beats, so she's rocking on her violin with some heavy music behind her. Uh, it's really good to just kind of throw on in the background and kind of, you know, sets your mood up nice to relax I'm, I'm a big fan of that another album the band uh tycho t-y-c-h-o uh the album's called epoch it's another one it's kind of um almost edm-ish again with like kind of ambient music um but there's no lyrics at all just all electronic tunes so it's really good for you know folks and if you're at work you gotta really buckle down and focus that's a good one to throw on in the background then Empire of the Sun, another pretty good EDM band. Um, they have had a few songs on the FIFA soundtracks, which have been great. Uh, but their new album just came out uh, the beginning of November, so it's still pretty new. Uh, just some really good tunes and, and beats there. So those are my a few of my good morning commute albums if you want to check those out. Um, but I think we had a really good year in hip-hop this year. Um, couple of favorites of ours you know we've, we've seen childish gambino a few times together what why it's really different that album so what do you, what's your take on the new gambino album yeah not hip-hop i guess would be the first thing to say about it he totally abandoned hip-hop and, and rapping in general for 
uh, funk, which is cool by me. Um, you know, I, I heard one of you guys or somebody told me after the fact that it was partially inspired by the album Maggot Brain by uh, Funkadelic, you know, George Clinton's old band, Parliament Funkadelic, which is one of the only funk albums that I'm really well familiar with and love. And uh, Eddie Hazel was just a fantastic guitarist. And I think that the influences that Donald draws upon on this album um, are, are, are great ones. And he did a very good job of kind of uh, diving into a new genre for himself and drags a little bit at the end, I guess for me, but um, really starts with a bang and uh, it's a good album overall. I liked it a lot. I, I like when artists kind of put themselves out there and try something new rather than just continuing to do what they've already done. Yeah, man, I had like, I had no clue that he was changing up his style for this album. Um, so when his first album or his first single came out, like, me and your mom or whatever it's called like you told me to listen to it and i listened to it and i was like dude what did i just listen to and then of course you like personally attacked me and called me uncultured and everything <laughs> but it, it it was just like such a change and then when i heard the whole album I was like man this is like like he he's really he like elevated himself into a new category really like i'm pretty sure deadspin or one of those kind of websites put a, a headline like it's time to take donald glover seriously like yeah like he, that that album's really good yeah uh then i guess kind of similar to old childish gambino uh chance the rapper had a new album this year i think that there were some mixed opinions amongst our friends at least but i know it's up for i think seven grammys oh geez who cares uh, fuck the grammy yeah yeah I, I i'm a fan of this album though it's just kind of like upbeat feel good hip-hop um i like the chances sticking to his guns and you know he's it's just released free again um but yeah like i i like it it's he's got some pretty good um some good cameos on like little wayne's in there kanye's in there uh so uh, yeah chance it's chance is good I'm, I'm a chance guy yeah i like that one as well i like coloring book um chance he's always been kind of like a. I gotta cherry pick the tracks from you know his releases i i I'm not one who can really sit through the whole thing, um, but there's some definitely some good stuff on that uh, on on coloring book. Liked it. Yeah. So chances he's part of. A, I know he's got a lot to do with Kanye. Like uh, they they record a lot of songs together. Um, so Kanye had another album this year, Life of Pablo. Uh, I actually just listened to that for the first time like two weeks ago, which is weird because <laughs> it came out in like February. Uh, but I liked it. I I jammed pretty hard to it have you listened to that oh one? yeah um i played the shit out of life of pablo back when it first came out haven't listened to it in a while but phenomenal that's actually i'm kind of um i guess atypical. no i guess it's not atypical but at least amongst our friends i'm atypical in the sense that i almost prefer latter day kanye to the early kanye which i know might sound sacrilegious but i like again when artists kind of like push the bounds of what they're doing and i think he does that a lot on on his more recent work uh maybe you know push himself a little too hard these days uh, hopefully he gets his head right but life of pablo awesome work start to finish that is one i can listen to from start to finish um I, I love that album yeah that's another gym album for me i think like he has some heavier beats on that one that like old kanye like you said like a lot of it was really like upbeat fun uh happy beats uh but these ones are a little more a little more bass heavy a little more uh a little more hard so i like those um, but the the hip hop album of the year for me, uh, a tribe called Quest, 
released a new album for the first time in a long time. Um, it's called We've Got It From Here. Thank you for your service. And I thought they did just such a good job of really staying true to their kind of like old school hip hop. Um, they didn't really bring any of those like real big bass heavy beats like you hear nowadays. The rapping is just really lyrical. Um, they got Kendrick Lamar on there a little bit. Big Kendrick fan. Uh, have you listened to this one yet? Embarrassed slash astonished to say I've only given it one spin so far, um, but definitely plan to listen to it more. Like this pod just reminded me I got to get on listening to that again. Uh, with, with you know, as a kind of an aside here, um, I feel like with having a Spotify subscription and having access to basically everything that comes out, stuff like this just like I get just taken aback when i realized it slipped under my radar just because i'm focused on so many other things being out there um but yeah tell me more about it uh yeah well actually it's it's interesting because i just like uh, a few days ago i actually just watched straight out of compton so i'm kind of on like a big like 90s early 90s hip-hop kick right now um but you know just like in that movie when you see the scenes of like like ice cube kills in that movie you know and like uh, it's just really cool going back to the like getting a flashback of the early days of rap when like the focus like you just had a simple beat in the background the focus was actually listening to lyricists like really spit great lyrics and just they focus so much on like the flow of of their songs it's not just like someone like future you know who's just like rapping like i just love like lyricists and this it's just an album of true (laughs) lyricists just like mastering their craft yeah man i um I'm going to go throw this on downstairs once we're done with this pod, by the way. <laughs> nice. Uh, and then, really, the last album that I jammed a lot was uh, the new Weekend album, Starboy. Um, he collaborated with Daft Punk on this album. Um, Kendrick Lamar again showed up on this one, but um, I got some Beats headphones recently, actually, and that Starboy sounds so good. Like, the beats that are the way it's produced sound so good on those headphones. Uh, but I listen to Starboy a lot. Yeah, that's a great album. Long one. There's a lot on there. But Weekend, yeah. uh, I've been into the Weekend, following the Weekend, I guess, since he put out his first few mixtapes. House of Balloons, awesome. Um, he he kind of got away from me a little bit with that one, Kissland, which I think was his first album proper. Um, but his past couple have kind of drawn me right back in. I like Starboy a lot. There's a lot of cuts on that album that I just love. Um, and yeah, yeah, that's one, that's one to get you going on the weekend for real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Andy, I feel bad kind of leaving you out. Uh, I know you're a big like Pandora guy, right? What's your Pandora jam? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really listen to music very often. I, I put it, I throw on a Pandora station at work when people around me are being obnoxious or if I really need to grind through a project or something. Uh, and usually it's just a you know a real real wompy EDM beat it can uh, can get the juices flowing. <laughs> yeah, anytime you can listen to something wompy, you the do wompier it. the better. <laughs> yep, wompy Simo, very wompy. Uh, uh, Kevin, what uh, do you have any other albums for you? This year? Yeah, I'll throw a few more out there. Um, I'm gonna do a, an end of year um, entry in my playlist series, which I you know. I've only done two entries so far, but I'm going to do an end of the year, album of the year um, sort of uh, entry coming up. But I'll just, you know, mention a few of the albums that really caught my ear this year. Um, first and foremost, Angel Olsen's uh, My Woman, probably my favorite album of the year. Um, she's just such an exciting artist, just a, 
a master of so many different styles, but with a voice all to herself. Um, that album is just fantastic. If you haven't heard that one yet, I would definitely recommend giving it a listen. Um, another one that uh, really grabbed me was uh, The Hotelier, um, their album Goodness. Um, those guys are from right here in Mass, actually. Um, that, that album's awesome. It's kind of like a sort of a, a throwback to what we used to listen to in high school, guys, uh, when we were into the sort of more emo type of like rock. But it's a little more mature than that as well, like the the subject matter, I guess. So kind of like a, a grown-up version of what we used to listen to back in the day. Um, Car Seat Headrest, um, their album uh, uh, Teens of Denial, um, definitely one of my top picks of the year. Uh, I like Tegan and Sarah's album that came out this year, Love You to Death. That's a solid one. Um, damn, Frank Ocean's Blonde. That's one that we didn't mention earlier when we were going through the sort of hip-hop, R&B, and all that stuff. Um, Pink and White by Frank Ocean's one of my favorite songs of the year. Uh, Radiohead's A Moon-Shaped Pool. Can't have a Radiohead album go unmentioned. Uh, that one's fantastic you know they some people thought they finally had a misstep with the king of limbs maybe uh kind of uh stop progressing but i think a moonshaped pool is fantastic got the uh orchestration in there from johnny greenwood kind of a new element in their music um definitely worth a listen and i'll give one more shout out um human performance by parquet courts um kind of an indie rock sort of vibe spoken word-esque lyrics um Parquet Courts will definitely be showing up on my uh, end of year. Oh, one more. i got to say one more. Uh, Young Thug. Young Thug. Yes. Young Thug is an artist that has really got me this year. I, I hadn't listened to much of anything by him before 2016. And as of December 2016, he's got to be my number one personal fave right now in the rap game. Love Young Thug. I uh, really like Jeffrey, which came out this summer. Um, a lot of the tracks on that are named after other famous artists, one called Riri, another one called Kanye West, Wyclef Jean. And then Wyclef Jean is actually featured on a later track on the album um, Kanye West. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that album's I sick. love that album. Yeah. All right, well, I think that wraps it up here. Um, so I guess overall year in review 2016 pretty good pretty good pretty good from a radiant Salt. standpoint i wouldn't i don't know about the rest of uh the universe but <laughs> yeah but you know here on, on the radiant review 2016 pretty good uh so that's gonna wrap it up for us um you know we're gonna try to get one of these out every week i think we're gonna talk about you know some things to look forward to in 2017. We're gonna talk about what's you know on our watch list, what we're gonna be watching next. So uh, just keep a lookout for some more posts here. Check out Radiant.com, R-E-A-D-I-E-N-T.com for our uh, our blog. And yeah, thanks for listening, guys. We'll uh, we'll talk to you later.